Well, it's another week with another movie. Welcome back to Rainbow Flickers Over the Crimson Screen. And I am Anthony, and I am here with the lovely David. Hello. Bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> and today we're going to be taking a trip back to the 90s to discuss a underrated movie called Tales from the Hood. Yeah, it was a tale indeed. It was actually four tales. Let's be honest, an anthology movie. Oh, wait, well, sir, I have not introduced, I have not gave, given them the summary, so. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Tales of the Hood is a 1995 American horror anthology film directed by Rusty Cundiff. And if you've seen the dave chappelle show you've definitely seen some of, some of his work he's also done things such as fear of a black hat which is another good uh spoof movie <laughs> uh white water and gay skit happens which is a gay sketch comedy show so i guess that kind of connects with our queer theme here today right <laughs> mm -hmm. i didn't know any of them but uh, that would be interesting <laughs> to actually have a check some days and he also started out as an actor in uh, a Spike Lee film, School Days, which is another movie I adore. Okay, and the film presents four short urban-themed horror stories based on problem concepts that affect the African-American community in the order of police corruption, domestic abuse, racism, and gang violence all presented within a framed story of three drug dealers buying some found drugs from an eccentric and story-prone funeral director so david <laughs> what was your first what's the first thought that comes to your mind when i mention this movie uh never seen it before and i was just thinking okay tales from the hoods we're going to be talking about uh gang violence i was the first thing i saw in my head gangs violence because uh, for some reason hoods for me just equal violence even though it's my neighborhood but uh you know i've been conditioned for all this movie in the 90s and 80s so <laughs> um it, it was something uh i never seen but i heard about but it was i felt it was not my move the movie i was actually was um how can i say it was not a movie aimed at me if if, if, if you know what i mean just like um it really felt like it was not a movie for me for a very long time. So it was interesting to actually watch it. So what 
Mm, I guess what's your first like impression of it? I mean, when you saw it, how did it make you feel? Okay, I'm gonna be honest with mm -hmm. you. Uh, the movie, I found the realistic uh, scenes in the movie scarier than the horror theme beyond it, which was very interesting. It's very different from um, a classic anthology movie that we know, like Tales from the Crypt, when actually uh the twist is scarier yeah but there i actually found the realistic depiction of violence for example or, or some the some of uh, the old photo photograph used in one of the shorts much more difficult to watch and much more scary than actually the horror element they added to the story that's one thing true yes. and the second thing was uh I felt like a lot of the story deserved uh, more space to breathe. I felt it was a bit too... Uh, they, they just condensed it away too much, which is a shame. Yes. This was actually... Uh, I'm not going to say the first, uh, because uh, he had one in 1993. But this was... So basically, David uh, Kundiv... No, rest... Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting them mixed up. I'm getting your name mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I can be a director too, but uh, that's another story. Okay. Rusty Kundiv, who is the uh, director and writer of this movie, um, he started out as an actor, and Spike Lee uh, basically told him that he thought that he could maybe be a director. So this is how we originally got Tales from the Hood, because basically Spike Lee was uh mentoring rusty and at the time spike lee had a lot of clout <laughs> so <laughs> the studios let rusty make this movie and uh it's pretty interesting uh, fun fact there <laughs> no it was uh yes yeah, i do remember spike lee with some of sam and all these movies actually was quite big in france because uh uh it, it, i remember some of sam was pretty cool so when this movie stars we're presented with three men three gang members who are entering a funeral home with the eccentric uh caretaker what was your thought on that my first thought was scary movie <laughs> like just like a, a I even send you a text. I would send you a message when I was watching, and I just say, I just remember the baggy, the baggy <laughs> style of the baggy, baggy clothes style of the nineties because it just felt like a spoof of the nineties. It was really weird. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that this movie is titled as kind of uh, a horror comedy, mm -hmm. and from my uh, you know from my perspective, I do think that this tells from the hood. It actually does kind of balance itself out a little bit. Like it gives us the social, you know, the social justice messages, but it's not too pushy with them in a way that mm -hmm. I know you haven't seen the second and third one, but the second and third one is pretty much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> social justice really pushed forward. So it's interesting mm -hmm. to see the first one, how it's kind of, uh, you know, it's going there, but it's also giving us a good form of media to go along with it and mm -hmm. the second and the third one that i know you haven't seen 
there's more social justice with less media to go with it. So we like a nice balance these days, you know. <laughs> but you were actually talking to me about the second and third one because we were talking together and you were watching them. And mm -hmm. uh, for what you told me about it, it reminded me more of uh, Black Mirror. Yeah. Uh, that because there's a twist there's actually a twist at the end something that uh, is less present in that one well you know it's actually another fun fact is that rusty actually produced uh two episodes of creep show too um okay <laughs> and that's more of what i was getting from from these and uh, i mean we'll talk about this later but uh when it comes to the sequels they actually didn't get made to 2018 and i was talking to you about tales from the hood too and mm -hmm. i was for some reason i thought it was in the 90s you know <laughs> but <laughs> so then it led me to down a rabbit hole where i was kind of wondering why did it take them so long to make it and then i found this interview on youtube i'll link it in the show notes where uh, rusty was talking about that no studio wanted to take a chance on it until get out came when jordan peele made get out and after that this opened the floodgates for social justice horror movies <laughs> so. oh that's surprising <laughs> oh that's surprising that audio would not actually go and touch a movie about social justice with black people <laughs> in it mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i just uh, that's another thing that i found interesting so while they're in the this funeral home uh we're introduced to the first story and the first story it actually has a title it is called row cop revelation so mm, what did you think about that did you say oh god not more police brutality <laughs> actually no because i'm actually took it in concept in a context of actually the movie mm -hmm. and uh it didn't i was not on or not on again because at that time it must not have been that uh, big. Uh, I don't want to say that big because I remember some uh, some of the police brutality uh, in the 90s was pretty horrendous. Yeah, but I mean, it was I mean less, uh, this was around the time with uh, Rodney King, but I think that was in 1991. Exactly. But uh, this movie mm -hmm. premiered That's in what, 1995. So, yeah. That's what reminded me of Rodney King. But um, I'm just, what I'm saying is just like lately with, uh, with Floyd and. Um, uh, the other one, I don't remember the name. Um, is they really creating an uprising uh, uh, of people who started to say, We're fed up with this. Um, but I knew that the 90s that was actually uh, something that I found really interesting. It's uh, interesting and actually, like, uh, I don't know if maybe a bit sad. It's all the what people in the entire <laughs> movie are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a single word person that actually got redeeming qualities, which is so fucking weird. Well, for this story, what's something that you notice about the cops here? Uh, well, there's a sense of secrecy that was going on. Uh, well, we, not, we need to explain there was four cops and one of them was black. And... Uh, so it was pretty much there was a lot of but social pressure and actually that's something that's when i said to you like i wish it would have been more developed yeah. i felt that it was jumping way too fast from from scene to scenes and the stuff that was truly frightening was kind of brushed over we actually we had actually the we had the 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 beaten up of uh, of the the guy was 
was called a political agitator. Yes. That was funny. Mr. Just like the state looked at him as a political agitator, but he just wanted to stop police actually uh, beating up people, actually uh, black people. Yeah, Mr. Morehouse, ah. which uh, Morehouse is actually a uh, HBCU, very well known. So I'm, I'm pretty sure there was some uh, connections going on with, with that. But I guess I asked you about the policemen because the way their characters are written these uh four police officers well let's talk let's talk about uh three of them and each one of them was written in a specific way like one was you know the leader i guess you would say the Uh uh the other was the cowering you know person who only does things when they're told because they're afraid of, of the leader and then we have the other police officer who justifies basically justifies evil now Mm -hmm. uh rusty made a comment about this in his interview which is a great interview i want to put it in the 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 show notes but uh he says that when he wrote this he was thinking about how multiple like all these personalities exist within the police force and you know Mm -hmm. and he wanted to just show how they kind of feed off each other you know to kind Mm -hmm. of uh make these things acceptable and to them like this is you know to mm-hmm. them so like did you get that sense when you were watching that uh not not yes not that you're saying it i can see but watching the movie on his own now the only thing i saw was a three racist asshole <laughs> that's what actually saw in front of me and uh it was kind of a even and this is something that i found pretty sad about it i found that um the character was really written as a bit like a pantomime villain. Yes. There was the, I can't explain it. It was just like completely black, <laughs> completely white. It was just like, there was no gray area. Mm-hmm. And usually the aura of racist people is that they truly believe in actually what they are saying. They actually manage in their own head to actually uh, rationalize what they're doing, even if everything is actually terrible. And we didn't have that part of it. Um, it's, the beating was awful. It was really, really, really hard to watch. Especially, uh, and I don't know, I don't know, you can actually tell me, because so the black policeman go and check, go and check the, the police, uh, the, the car, uh, the car plates on the computer. And I just wonder if actually he's avoiding, he know what's happening, but he's actually avoiding to see what's happening. You see what I mean? Yes, this is, so to those of you that haven't seen the movie uh the way rusty approached this movie was to talk about problems external you know for the black community but also internal so a lot of these stories also have this little bit of internal uh that they're that's kind of brushed off to the side i guess you don't really pick up on it but in the other story too that we'll get to uh you notice how the, the racist guy had the the black assistant <laughs> mm-hmm. so it, it was kind of like they're observing this sort of thing going on but they're not really saying anything and mm-hmm. uh, this was definitely like put there on purpose if you will because <laughs> i really this is why in the i found that uh that uh, short had the potential to be much longer i did and they actually it missed an opportunity because we actually have 
these things were actually they pretty much uh, beat up that uh, that political agitator quotes uh, and uh, they say oh I'm going we're going to bring him to the hospital when instead they actually uh, send the car into the water yes and then we cut into the black policeman being a, uh, being a bomb actually and drinking one year later and for me I would have wanted to actually see the descent into actually that moment because that was 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 interesting because is experiencing the guilt of not saying anything mm. but we don't see that journey and that journey for me would have been much more interesting than actually the entire zombie thing afterwards yeah if you know what i mean but as a wise man once said why so serious <laughs> let's <laughs> no, uh... it could have been it could have been basically could have seen basically the the ghost of the guy more often doing yeah. actually his police stuff and actually start to get mad and just stop police because of that you see what i yeah, mean yeah but let, let's talk about the fun part now let's talk about the zombie <laughs> That was more. Uh, it felt sorry, but it felt a bit like a Scooby Doo episode. I'm sorry. I, I for one, well, I love the chase. And also, did you know that the cemetery scene? There is a cemetery scene. It was shot in a real cemetery, and uh, the special effects uh, director, uh, Kenny Hall, he actually had to make a bomb underground to make some of these explosions happen. So I found that really cool, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was some critical special effects. There is a call. There is two of them going to be talking about later. But there is two scenes that are actually pretty. Three scenes are actually pretty impressive in that uh, in that movie. Yeah, and uh, the ending of this episode. I mean, it wasn't really a fun time because he ended up in. Wasn't it in the insane, the insane asylum? It did, yes. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was another stuff that was so uh, that was just so brushed over. Like uh, we got one scene suddenly is an innocent asylum. So okay. Uh, well, sir. But I do love the fact uh, Candyman, the first Candyman. What did he came out? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can Google it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Google it because I'm gonna make too much noise with my microphone otherwise. But I was just thinking about something just now, thinking about the ending of that story. Nineteen ninety two. Okay, so it was before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because what was so important and so interesting about the first Candyman, it was the use of graffiti mm-hmm. in the stories as a we had a big part of actually the entire aesthetic of it. And at the end of that story, what do we have? We have actually that giant uh graffiti this fresque about actually the guy who got killed. And uh, the one of the policemen get actually sucked into the graffiti. Great special effects as well on that. That scene was amazing. But it, it just reminded me that actually they're using some art which is prominently for people less now, maybe in the 90s, was seen as a black kind of uh, art form. Is it Was it an art form in the 90s? I don't know if people were seeing uh, it as yeah, art Yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess it's depending on who you ask. I mean, there were some people who commissioned graffiti artists, and then there were some people who detested it with, you know, all of their minds. <laughs> I know my uh, my town actually used to have a big graffiti festival. So actually, we have a huge amount of art, of graffiti all around town, and it's actually seen as an art form. So, but I didn't know if at that time 
if this would be considered an art form or not. But it was very interesting. They're using actually the really imprisoned that racist guy mm -hmm. in a black person art form. That I actually found it very interesting. I know. I mean, also the effects when he's like becoming the art. <laughs> That mm -hmm. was pretty cool. <laughs> mm, screaming my George. He's the best. He's not doing enough stuff nowadays, but that yeah. guy was so... Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they also uh, do some effects for uh, the ending, too, which we'll get to. Uh, so, mm -hmm. let's talk about the second story. Boys don't get bruised. <laughs> okay, boys don't get bruised. You want to do a little synopsis of it? You know... Um, Actually, now that you said that, wait a minute. Let me pause the meeting because I don't know. I don't want to get it. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little short summary of Boys Don't Get Bruised. Uh, Walter Johnson is a quiet and sensitive boy who transfers to a new school and one day with bruises around his cheek and eye, Walter's caring teacher, Richard Garvey, Notices the bruises and talks to Walter. He initially thinks that the school bully Tyrone gave him bruises, but Tyrone says that it was the monster. Hmm. That sounds intriguing, right, David? <laughs> That's some intriguing. And uh, again, because we we're in constant communication watching the movie, and I sent you the message, which was basically like a damn, the violence is hard to watch. <laughs> and again, this is a thing, I just, I really found that uh, the realistic, the because of course, the kid being beaten up by his stepdad. Uh, yeah. And the violence between, uh, done to the kids and violence done to the mother of the kids were for me horrific. And much more horrific for what actually from the, the kind of... Uh, fantasy slash horror stuff that happened afterwards yeah uh, another funny thing to note here is that uh rusty is actually playing the school counselor <laughs> uh so he oh, he's saying okay. yeah so he's acting and also uh for those of you that are into comedy and you remember live in living color uh david greer is actually playing the the bad guy this time who's mostly was known up until this time for his comedic roles so <laughs> a big twist for him <laughs> Mm -hmm. oh, big twist uh, when you see the ending you can actually yes it was a big twist so what did you think about this one um i felt that i kind of I, I love the idea they want to actually show uh, domestic violence because i feel maybe there's something that uh, especially in the 90s might have been uh, kind of uh, swept under the rug for a very long time for a lot of communities. Uh, we had the same thing in Brittany when uh, there was a, a huge amount of um, of domestic violence uh, eaten off because uh, people were not talking about these things. So it was interesting to see a vision of it and a vision through the vision of the kids. The kids don't see the stepdad, the kids see the monster. Yes. And that sequence when he actually uh, barricaded his door to avoid uh, the over the monster coming in it was very interesting and let's be honest i feel that uh, they didn't need the the twist ending they didn't 
but it was fun. <laughs> it was fun to stand it, but I felt that actually he kind of diluted, diluted the message in some ways. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed, I really found that uh, the scenes were actually horrific enough on, it, on their own. They didn't need actually that thing to add to it. They actually kind of diluted the message they were trying to portray, well, which is a shame for me. Well, I think that it was more so them trying to keep in tone with it being a horror slash comedy because that was the only way to pretty much get it made. <laughs> yeah, because this one was, uh, I must say, the, the entire scene uh, towards the ending of that um, of that short film, I call it short film, uh, I found the violence was really, really tough. It was and, tough. Uh, I, really fe- I really felt that, uh, and this is something that... Uh, that seemed to be recurrent with that film, that movie, mm-hmm. is that compared to the, should I say that? Would I say that? White-led uh, anthology movie, mm-hmm. I felt that uh, it was much more anchored to reality. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I said, like Tales from the Crypts, for example, mm-hmm. or, um, or Crypt Show. The stories are there, but it's still actually, it kind of, there's kind of a separation between actually reality. It's a movie, you know, it's kind of a cartoon. It's a bit of a kind of a real life cartoon sometimes. In here is included some issues of the black community and show it in such a realistic way that already you actually can get shocked by it. And so that's actually the way I, felt. I just felt that actually he done so well just showing what he wanted, so showing what he wanted to say, that he kept diluting it by actually using fantastic elements. And I'm just like, oh, why did you do that? Even though if it's good, well, I felt that the tone was just switched. He was switching the tone so quickly, like he was going reverse completely in one moment. Mm-hmm. I was so jarring sometimes. It felt jarring. Well. Uh... I just want to say, as a black person in America, reality is pretty much our biggest one. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is actually why it was actually interesting. That actually they really don't, they really show it well in there. But it's true that if actually they didn't have any fantastic elements, maybe mm-hmm. uh, that would have been considered as an horror comedy, more of a drama. Mm, well, you know, at least it's not like. Uh, Tales from the Hood 3 where they have sex with a racist doll and, pres- and have a baby so <laughs> oh okay so he kept it I'll I give him this uh, he kind of uh, he did keep it in a you know level. he leveled it out but in uh, his sequels it was friendly friend it was family friendly yeah but it, it, in his second <laughs> one no, his second third one not so much uh, so yeah well so walter apparently has what is it like some some sort of magical paper right or crayon uh i don't know if he was he was just him i think he was him what should he was uh i i don't know well yeah I, I don't really recall but i do remember that the bully that bullied him remember and he was able to crumble him crumble the paper up after he drew him and the uh-huh. the kid was being rolled away on a stretcher <laughs> yeah and he lost both arms and both legs yes i was like damn walter <laughs> but uh, yeah it was actually like um it remind actually it remind me of um 
uh, what you call it, uh, the Twilight Zone, the movie, the episode was actually the kid uh, who was able to uh, control reality. Don't know if you remember I that. I do not remember that one, man. I need to watch. Let's see. And here's the thing. Also, for those of you that have not seen the the Twilight Zone remake, is that the Tales in the Hood remake. Well, I'm going to call it a remake because it was like 2018. The first one was 1995. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> but uh, the Twilight Zone remake, him and Jordan Peele both have this in common nowadays, where sometimes uh the message is more important than the media uh I, I guess and the twilight zone the new twilight zone also falls into this trap of trying to say too much but not really giving us the visuals <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, I, I was actually talking about the uh the movie from the 80s i know but i'm uh, just saying oh, yeah. uh that you know the, the twilight zone remake though uh Mm -hmm. came out around the same time as tales in the hood uh too so it's mm -hmm. kind of interesting to see how him and jordan peele both kind of uh try to convey the same the same source of messages <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. but uh i think jordan peele's a little bit better at it <laughs> mm -hmm. no i agree uh, jordan peele does do message better uh, but what i'm worried about actually we might find ourselves with uh public fatigue of this we actually uh, we have to be careful not to actually have uh, entertainment being completely forgotten but because of the message if you see what I mean uh, and I really seen that actually like in the two the two one we watched there the 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 other element kind of diluted the message I wanted to portray which is mm, Disappointing to me, it's good. The message is there, but I'm just like, hmm, do we need actually the do we need the zombie guy actually? Uh, can we actually get them mad without having the zombie guy just chasing the chasing the police? Or do we really need to have the crumple thing? Even though it was fun to actually watch that uh, awful stepdad being crumpled to the floor, uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah, and he also got burned. And burned up, yeah. Burned up, so. I agree. Uh, and I always, uh, I'm living for screwing my George uh, uh, special effects anyway, so I'm always happy about that. <laughs> but if uh, I felt it kind of diluted, diluted the message, and uh, the ending for me was, was it problematic? Maybe. Because the counselor just said, nobody's going to know. Nobody's gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that to this, do not worry, nobody's gonna find out. And kind of, uh, I'm thinking, come back to the beginning when actually nobody knew that the kid was being beaten up. And this, he kept actually having this, uh, it felt, for me, the way I was looking at it, it was like a cycle repeating itself. Because the kid actually got beaten up by the stepdad. The, the stepdad gonna disappear. I don't know how they're going to manage that, but apparently the stuff that's going to disappear. It's been burned. I don't know what's going to actually say. Oh, well, he's going to get some cigarettes and never came back. I don't know. But. Well, of course. I mean, sir, this is a one horror of, uh, I guess you would say internal in the black community is generational <laughs> abuse <laughs> and the cycle continuing 
until someone finally decides to break it by basically you get abused you don't say nothing nobody knows Mm -hmm. then you abuse your children etc etc so it was definitely a commentary on that so i get why he chose that but yeah i agree uh maybe he we could have done without some of the horror element but it's it was fun fun, but uh, (laughs) i think this is maybe that's the one that actually had um, a clearer message i felt of the Mm -hmm. four uh it it was very interesting like um and really the ending actually for me was chilly the, the ending when the, when the counselor was supposed to actually helping the kid move on and actually just get better, just say to say to them, nobody's going to find out. And you're just thinking, actually, people need to find out because that's the only way actually you start the discussion to actually make things change. It's not by hiding around that actually things going to change. And you can imagine that kids who got this special power, if you start and decide to actually beat up the kids, bloody hell, <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> if they cycle recommends oh my yeah. god. You're not gonna be able to say actually oh I fell down the stairs or actually took a door because the bloody guy can just more people with a fucking drawing. What the fuck? <laughs> it was overall it was enjoyable, it was an enjoyable one. Uh it was actually maybe the yeah, it was like I said to you, it was maybe the, the message was the clearer on that one. Um, the oh really? I mean, I think the fourth one had the clearest message. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, at least for me, it did. <laughs> but, but but we'll no, get to I, that I felt that actually the, need... the, the second one with the kid actually the message was very clear and actually maybe more relate, relatable to everyone. Maybe that's what uh, that's what I could say. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, now we're about to talk about my favorite one oh. <laughs> out of this, the one that always creeped me out as a kid, and it is titled KKK Compupins. <laughs> okay, give it this, give it the tea. Come on. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> uh, Duke Mediger is an obnoxious and highly racist Southern Senator and a one-time member of the, the Ku Klux Klan who is currently running for governor. The Senator is in his office filming a campaign commercial when he sees protesters outside the office. Jewish and African American groups have teamed up to protest against Mediger for being a racist, a former Klansman, and for sending up his office at an old slave plantation previously owned by his ancestors, Nathan Wows. Well, basically, mm. it's a perfect senator <laughs> from the South, it seems. <laughs> I, I also love that uh, this one also featured uh, the guy, the black guy who... Uh, have you seen the movie, uh, Christine? John Carpenter's? Yeah, yeah. Well, the black guy in front of the in front of the reporters is actually the one who gets the first kill. Okay. Who gets killed first in Christine? Yeah. <laughs> so I immediately the thought about black that. Guy <laughs> of the story, <laughs> he just said to be killed. So what what did you think about? Uh, 
This episode felt, uh, felt the most like a Twilight Zone episode to me. Uh, it felt actually it was the closest you have from actually uh, what would you what you would have as an anthology movie uh, story. You have the setup, you have the ending. Yeah. You actually have the you pretty much pretty much have a, a twist. Uh, it really remind me like we were talking about Treasure of Horror. Maybe of this one, it reminds me of uh, that that uh, Twilight Zone episode with the doll just saying, "I want to kill you." Uh, oh, and this actually, that though, for me, this was pretty much uh, uh, pretty much there. Um, again, the white person was a fucking asshole, uh, but uh, let's be honest, it was enjoyable to see him being uh, being tortured. Let's be honest. Because it was a fucking asshole. Um, you know, I, he played that I know, role a little bit too I know, good. I was just like, <laughs> okay. I know. <laughs> and I like, like I told you, I watched an interview with some of the actors and stuff before, well, after I watched the movie. And I listened to him talk about playing this role. And he says that he continuously had to stop and apologize to everybody after every take. But he said that a majority of them just laughed their ass off at him. Yeah, because he was really the, the cartoon <laughs> character racist in some ways. Uh, and let's talk about the dolls. Because the idea of that... Uh... Okay, well, well, first, uh, we have to explain why the dolls are there. Okay, so as I stated in the summary of, of uh, this story, is that he moves into this plantation, you know, home and uh the home is said to be possessed well not really possessed but the souls of the former slaves are still tied to this plantation home and they're tied to the dolls now our racist asshole over here says that he can't find the dolls because he looked for them as soon as he moved in he thought they might be they might have been worth some money but little does he know they are there yeah, there, but it didn't make much sense, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, they were there. <laughs> and and uh, I think I think the camera pan to one of them being under mm-hmm. the house and and all of this fun times. And of course, we have the the person who you know was the guy who I was talking about that was in Christine who has to give the warning, you know, that they do in every horror movie: the dolls <laughs> will get you. <laughs> Now this guy, oh my god! Oh, I wanted to reach into the TV and smack him. That's the sign uh, of a good actor, I guess. <laughs> but I was thinking about something because, uh, well, as our viewers know, I'm actually French, so I lived in Europe and actually, mm-hmm. uh, he kept talking about no reparation. Uh, the senator, it was it was it a big mm. thing in the nineties? No reparation. But like a reparation money? It's a bit. It's it's a big thing today. People okay. are still talking about it. But will we ever get reparations? I, I know, of course. But I uh, just wonder if the nineties <laughs> was something that was actually much bigger because they seem to really aim quite a lot about it at the beginning to actually portray that guy as a really bad racist. So that's why I was just wondering. Yeah. Well, you know, the the slaves were said to have been uh, put into the body 
uh, by a hoodoo witch known as. First of all, we would never say a hoodoo witch; it would be a conjurer. Is it Miss Cobb? <laughs> but uh, she places, <laughs> yeah, Miss Cobb. Uh, she places them, the souls of these slaves, into uh, the dolls, and the dolls are apparently scattered through the property. Uh, why they preside in a a big picture this is what make it very hard this for is me. actually this is actually well this is actually a question were they all in the picture and then they came out did they not exist in the physical world while they were in the picture and then when they came out of the picture they just they were like in the physical this world, is what or? i was struggling to understand because we see the <laughs> we see the first door uh, underneath like in a in a basement or underneath the house and then there's all this stuff about the, the the pictures changing and the doors appearing. And for me, that, that yeah. was actually kind of confusing. For me, I was just thinking, are they actually living in the pictures? <laughs> or are they in a the house? It's yeah, it was magic. magic. <laughs> yeah. but, but this is actually one that I, out of all of them, this is the one that I remember from my childhood because the dolls would terrify me as a kid. And I would have to ask my mom to like look under the bed to make sure one was the hiding. <laughs> the dolls are fucking terrifying. It's actually funny because I was uh, reading a bit of the trivia and apparently uh, the woman playing Miss Cobb is actually the mother of Rusty Candif, so. Yep. Mm. That it was actually true. interesting to see. <laughs> uh, I love stop motion animation. The stop motion animation was amazing. And I actually kind of missed that. I found that CGI kind of removed that uh, feeling of uh, well, of this gorgeous animation. And well, you know, the I was going to say that the dolls were created by Charles and Edward Giotto, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. the Giotto brothers, who also made... Killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> True, yes. And they also made a Team America World Police, where apparently... Uh, yeah, calm down, sir. We are talking about the movie. Uh, it's important because the doors from that Fun movie fact. actually was in Killer Clown, but uh, in Killer Clown in uh, Team America. Uh, oh, but also, for those of you that want to leave here and watch the sequels... Uh, one of the dolls from this one are, is actually in, I think, the second one, and it's like a little Easter egg. If so, keep your eye out for you if you watch the sequel. <laughs> I find it uh, for me when I was watching that uh, that segment, it reminded me about a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, short film that I've seen. Uh, there was one I need to remember. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which anthology it was, but about one guy who actually was attacked by uh, by toys. Don't know if you remember that one. Well, actually, the toy soldiers and everything it was attacking him in uh, in his. Um... Uh, no, 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 no. It was actually uh, it was based on a Stephen King story, and puppet master. Uh, I, I can't remember that name. But it was actually, a, it was pretty much the same premise about this really awful guy who, who kills someone and the toy take revenge. That's actually the premise of uh, all that stuff mm -hmm. I remember. And you see all the toy actually going after him. And that was pretty much the, the cat and mouse thing that you see in that one. But... Yes. Uh, so for this one, actually, 
it it was supposed to have a very different ending so uh rusty said that he wanted the ending of this to be the racist person was hung by the like he had the american flag tied around his neck and he was hung from the tree in front of the house not very yeah <laughs> but that makes actually sense because i was just wondering and i know i know there was a message there an image there but uh, at the end he's actually he tried to protect himself behind the american flag and he's actually like i was yeah. just like oh this has sound like a message there and that would have made sense at the end I get uh, hung by it because uh, it's true that a lot of racist people yeah. using American history and American actually stuff as a way to uh, to uh, say, oh, we're okay, that was the past. You know, it's not okay. You know, very true. And Rusty said that he pushed for this ending, but the studio says no, they wanted him to be taken out by the dolls. They said they wanted the dolls to kill him. To be fair, all those dolls on him... Mm. scared me as a kid so <laughs> well i guess you haven't watched the movie dolls then that was actually pretty much the same idea i actually have it but i don't <laughs> i mean i have to i have it on dvd but i just don't remember it i mean mm-hmm. you know oh, me, yes like... i know you, <laughs> I know you. but uh i really it was enjoyable it was enjoyable uh it, it felt as I said to you, it felt more like a, like a classic anthology kind of a short. Uh, due to the fact that the, the, the racist guy was pretty much cartoonish. Let's be honest, it was cartoonish. It was not actually yes. as uh, developed that, uh, uh, that all the characters you could see, especially on the next, uh, the next, next one, actually. Uh, I don't know if actually make it on purpose, actually. Because actually, you see how this racist guy uh, who might have been or was in a, in a KKK, and then you see these images in the, next, in the next one. I don't know if there's a relation there, but I feel there might have been. Well, we're also missing out on the other internal one for, I guess, uh, <laughs> the people that, that picked up on it. But uh, the assistant is... I think he's biracial. He could be just, you know, light skinned, but uh, there was definitely uh, some internal things going on there where he al- basically were al- allowing this man to just be, you know, um, racist in front of him. <laughs> and this is like a nod to kind of uh, uh, like maybe I want to say kind of like a light skinned sort mm. of privilege thing where you can navigate both spaces and sometimes. Uh, when you're in a, I guess, like a position of power or in proximity to power, you tend to Uh allow things that you, that, uh, because you have, uh, more, I guess you would say Mm. European. It did annoy me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you know, you are, uh, seen as in closer proximity Uh to whiteness. Therefore, uh, you're able to kind of just laugh it off with him and notice he was the mm. first person that was it's true <laughs> he did annoy me he did annoy me because uh and i was just thinking uh, for what for some reason it was actually a weird connection i made but uh as you know i was living in the uk uh, during the brexit um, situation and i remember actually people just uh, could say some really xenophobic stuff to people mm. that actually were the people that were attacking 
but they're saying to them, well, that's not you. Not you, of course, but the others. Yes. And this is actually what you know me for some reason when he was talking to actually when they were both talking to each other and he was so next, I just wanted him to say something. And he was not. It was so, so frustrating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's okay because mm. mama's a girl. <laughs> One thing I would have done without is actually Mama Cub, Miss Cub uh, uh, appearing in a room in a rocking chair. I found that a bit corny. Mm -hmm. Everything else was great, and then Mamaka, Mamaka just there with a little, little, little door looking at uh, the mayhem. Yeah, the mm -hmm. doll's like period. Exactly. <laughs> Overall, enjoyable. No. Well, that episode was, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, now we're moving on to the fourth one. Hardcore Convert, which, to me, that has the clear message out of all four, but let's see no, your I, I agree with you. <laughs> wait, there was a message. Wait, mm -hmm. wait. First, let me read them the summary. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jerome... Crazy K. Johns is a hardened gangster and homicidal psychopath who has killed many people mercilessly. He is driving down the streets of Los Angeles when he encounters his rival, Lil Deke, whom he pursues and guns down. In retaliation, Lil Deke's associates shoot at Crazy K before they can finish him off. The police arrive at the scene and gun down the attackers. Crazy K, badly injured but still alive, is arrested and sent to prison serving a life sentence without parole. And it is a mm -hmm. spectacle. <laughs> so, so yeah. What, I do understand what you, what you when you say it's a clear message. Uh, yeah, the, gun, the message of gun violence and the reproduction of violence and the cycle of violence in the black community. I can see what you mean. Mm. And uh, the fact that every time he keep actually like uh, finding excuses for what he's done. If I didn't, if I didn't kill you, you would have killed me. And uh, oh, you were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes. Uh, all these things, actually, uh, yeah, it's clear a message. I understand what you mean, but the resolution was not there for me. the The message was there. The the scientists actually said the message clearly. Until when actually can we actually break the violence? It's actually, it was interesting to see. But the, for me, it was an easy message. If you feel, it was very easy to make that message because everyone knows it. People, everyone knows that actually this is an issue. People need to change that issue. The the stuff. The reason why I said to you about uh, the domestic violence was a clear message is because this is something that was less talked about in this kind of movies in those days. You see what I mean? But violence. Sorry, in the nineties, uh, <laughs> so many movie gang movies was released in that time, man. Well, let's hear it from my perspective, okay? okay? <laughs> so, we've, we've heard uh, David's perspective, so let me get on my pedestal. Please do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Shoot you very well. <laughs> okay, so first off, uh, for those of you, you know, who are in America, this one features Lamont Bentley, R.I.P., uh, who this was a role I was not really comfortable watching him play is seeing him as the fun loving Hakeem and the Parkers and Moesha it was 
I wasn't really buying him as, <laughs> you know, the psychopath, but it was interesting to see that. But as so far, so the message now, during the 90s, black on black crime was not really a thing that the black community acknowledged. And to be fair, we still kind of dismiss it as something that isn't happening, but it is. <laughs> and, uh, the fact that this film kind of, uh, well, this short film in this story, it, it kind of, uh, it kind of, it kind of shed a light on it. And, uh, like, sure, we've had things, you know, like Boys in the Hood and, and stuff like that, where in Juice, uh, mo- movies like that that really portray gang violence, uh, this was the one that kind of, it really was trying to drive home the message, like, yes we have external problems but we also have internal problems and this is a big thing through tales from the hood that i like is that he he definitely sheds a light on external like yes we know racism exists yes we know you know domestic violence and things like that exist uh but this was more of like an internal thing where he's trying to basically hold a mirror up to us and tell us like hey this is from a black man who's telling us you know we need to get our shit together <laughs> so uh you know and to david's point when he says uh they're about the resolution the the resolution still hasn't been found today and that was made in 1995 and here we're living in the times where uh black on black crime is it probably worse than mm-hmm. it was in the 90s so. Yeah, <laughs> so so we're still looking for a resolution for that and this was the one where it kind of it had supernatural elements but it was kind of just put in just i guess to say hey this is a horror but it was to me one of the most relatable and more realistic one because this is something that you know that mm-hmm. happens every day we're like you can turn on the tv right now and <laughs> you know like when i think of uh, rappers like from memphis for example like pnb uh, and you know people like that who have been killed over senseless senseless violence for no reason at all <laughs> you know and it's just the fact that we're still having this conversation today uh, uh, we got to do better. <laughs> but as far as this one goes, I the experiment where they placed him in the solitary confinement with the, the racist guy and uh, that guy, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> when, he sh- when he shows them all of the, uh, the clan tattoos mm-hmm. and the Hitler tattoos and, you know, uh, the guy's very unhinged right there and uh lamont bentley's character uh is very Mm -hmm. aggressive uh and as you can see this is very there is a message here you know about how you know sometimes when this is presented we can you know get aggressive because you know we get tired of uh, racist uh-huh. people coming out. <laughs> so, uh, but seeing uh, Lamont like hit him and the guy laugh about it, I guess it's because it's kind of like what he wanted. Like, oh, like, you know, you are violent. But then when he asked him, like, I bet the people you kill over black, you know, he uh-huh. didn't say black, but <laughs> we're going to say black. And that was the first time I think the character had a realization like, hey, 
I, I'm killing my own people. And then uh, the doctor who... Uh, I can't remember the name of the actress, but I do know that was, I think, her last role because mm -hmm. she died of cancer at... Uh, was it in cash? And, uh, yeah, uh, but she, you know, she died of cancer, I think, uh, maybe a year or two after this movie. Uh, but I really mm -hmm. like the roles that she plays because, again... This is also mirror in the black community about how mothers and grandmothers and aunts are always the ones having to pick up the pieces and try to make uh, some black mm -hmm. men <laughs> uh, get their you know shit together. And uh, she was definitely portraying that role there. Uh, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of relatable mm -hmm. things in here, and uh, the fact that he still couldn't grasp that he just couldn't take any sort of uh, personal responsibility like it was always someone else's fault even when the ghosts of the people that he killed came back and mm -hmm. even the little girl you know <laughs> you know he says the famous uh the famous uh line that every every thug wants to say is that like, hey a bullet a bullet don't have no eye like you know that's a famous line and it's just still no kind of accountability and uh that would make actually that could actually explain why <laughs> um like i said to you like uh, the images because the guy is put into this uh, machine that's supposed to suppress his uh his violence tendencies which is come back to actually yes. the clockwork orange for example which is exactly the same idea um and he's put into this machine with a very funny, uh, funny seed with his penis. But uh, uh, let's move that uh, to the side. <laughs> and then you see the flashes of a lot of uh, of violence, and um, yes. you see a juxtaposition between gang violence and the KKK, and actually, uh, I don't know, early twenties, early thirties, early forties. I don't know actually what period. Real images of lynching yes. of bodies uh, and he was just like uh, he felt weird because he felt that these things felt more real than actually the gang violence itself does he actually refer to how the character is when actually doesn't understand that what he's doing is actually a bad thing because mm. he really felt like a video game I don't know, you know what I mean? The, the way they were shooting the gun violence felt more like a movie, like a video game, than actually the real violence was showing for with the KKKs and everything else. Yeah, and uh, listening to this interview uh, and Rusty talking about it, uh, he says that it was a conscious decision to make it also that long. It was two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it was a conscious decision to make it that long to kind of make you uncomfortable and make you drive, I guess, drive it home, I, I guess, where this is one where he was like, he really wanted to shout that, you know, this is real horror. Right yeah, actually, here. you know what you remind <laughs> me of? You remember when we were in Nola and actually went to the Museum of Death? That scene reminded me yes. of when we went to the Museum of Death in that room. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. I uh, I think well I think one thing about this is the fact that a lot of those images weren't that long ago. You know, people try to act like it was, you know, five hundred years ago. 
<laughs> you know so yeah i mean at the time i'm pretty sure like i i actually don't think they show that uh when they show it on network television now i think that spe- that specifically you have to like uh maybe it's different now when you stream it but i remember them showing it on tv and they really? actually never but it's the part. most important so, part of the bloody f- of the bloody show I know. Like, uh, i'm sorry it's some of the images <laughs> Like I said to you, when I was uh, when I was a kid at school, actually we went to uh, to uh, visit a con- concentration camp, and actually what the images we saw in that part remind me of a lot of the images I saw in the concent- concentration camp, which was senseless violence and people bystander on the side smiling, because it was so normal for them to have these things happening that it become more of a spectacle and less of an aura. And uh, and this mm-hmm. is, a, and I, I said to you, I sent you a message, I said, this stuff are hard to watch because uh, it, it's just like bloody hell, that was happening. And you just, you know, there was stuff like this happening, but you're seeing it and you're thinking someone took pictures, yes. like, a, like a snapped, like all the pictures of actually a lynching of the bodies and they're all laughing and smiling at it. You're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, and you know, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but there aren't really any museums where you can go to and kind of uh, get the grasp of what it was like um, to be a slave. But uh, there are some plantations uh, that, like the Whitney Plantation in New Orleans, uh, that focuses primarily on the slave's perspective. Uh, You know, they still have the original... Uh, slave houses and everything uh, and and they have slave statues and monuments and it's kind of uh, a place where you can go now I have been to some where it really kind of emotionally affected me because it's not, it's not something that you really think about until you're there and you're just looking around like damn like if this was 200 years ago I couldn't be here you know I would mm. be <laughs> you know like in a field working <laughs> so uh, i think that going to places like that even though you know everyone wants to do away with plantations and everything uh i do think that they do have a spot uh and it is history as uncomfortable as it makes us <laughs> and uh i know when i was at one i can't remember which one it was but i just remember sitting down on a bench with another lady who was a black and we were just sitting there and it was just like this realization like damn like we are free you know <laughs> you know like so many people died for us to just sit here and i think that was uh i think we need more museums like that i'm you know i'm not saying we need a big you know liberty land for slavery <laughs> but <laughs> But something people, I do think that a lot of people should, you know, see stuff like that, I Yeah, I agree with you. And we actually, it's funny because you come back to what we talked last time about uh, the fact nowadays people try to erase part of history. And actually, uh, I think instead of uh, 
trying to remove these things to use them as a teaching uh, as a teaching tool would be the best thing to do because as everyone say uh, uh, who doesn't know history repeat itself repeat them repeat the history or something like this <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't know his history is bound to repeat it uh, to repeat it or something like. doomed to repeat it <laughs> there we go look at you and uh, unfortunately that's I think people don't have the grasp of it and uh, this kind of place like the Whitney plantation is very very important for that reason like uh, the the concert, concentration camp in Europe that actually still there as a reminder of what happened the atrocities that happened in the second world or in the trenches in some places you've got trenches we've got in Normandy which is not far from here but not far a couple of hours from here you actually still have the bunkers and remind you that actually history was there. People died there. It's very important to remember this. And uh, that's why history is so important. And that's why basically like uh, people need to really understand that. But uh, we need uh, to keep history going. And that's why it's important to me too. There you go, that's my piece. <laughs> I agree. Mr. Luleron. <laughs> uh, mm. So, okay, so now that we're off our pedestals, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk about the ending uh, where I think it's Clarence Thomas, that's right? Uh, the third. Yeah, Clarence Thomas the third. Oh my god, mm. how can I get the Clarence Thomas name wrong? Like, he's... <laughs> It's Clarence Williams. <laughs> Whoops. But anyways, let's talk about him being uh, basically the devil. <laughs> that was actually the less... Uh, for me, that was the less enjoyable thing of the show. Yeah, so basically, we find in the ending of, uh, I guess, the fourth story is that the people that he has been walking around the three men that he's walking around and telling these stories to they happen to be you guessed it deceased (laughs) now i'm pretty sure you were expecting that plot twist (laughs) (laughs) um but how do you think they wrapped this up like how what do you think about the ending easy i find it very easy i found like uh, it didn't need a christian view of it at the end just like uh, oh you're in hell Ooh. <laughs> it was just like uh, i'm happy because there was a special effects of screen my george again mm-hmm. and then on display which was amazing yeah but uh, it just felt easy the ending was very easy unfortunately mm-hmm. wow. i didn't actually i feel that uh, it's actually in a lot of a uh, lot of anthology the wraparound story is usually pretty shit anyway <laughs> yeah so but, apart from the mortuary the mortuary yeah i do love i do love his his phrase though because that's something that i've said throughout my life welcome to hell <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was not a fan of his acting, let's be honest. Okay, we're not going to give the icon any criticism today. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> is he an icon? Okay. He is an icon. I don't know. I was just, I found that his acting was a bit woody sometimes. But, uh, you know, and everyone... plus, and plus, he is uh, dead. He just died last year, so we're gonna R.I.P. I love it. His acting was amazing. Um, he's uh, Oscar worthy. Um, mm. He should be celebrated as the greatest actors in uh, okay, this generation. You need, to calm, you need to calm down. Oh, sorry. So we were doing the award show for his acting. So. so he was actually asked to come back for uh, Tales of the Hood 2, but uh, he had actually retired from acting at the time. So, yeah, he's not in it. But if you enjoyed Candyman, Candyman is in the third one, that, and he's telling the story. So, mm, if you fancy okay. watching that one. <laughs> mm, okay. And uh, I just want to say to anyone out there, if you are a fan of 90s rap, uh, the soundtrack is also pretty good. I mean, we have things like uh, Spice One, whose song Born to Die is actually playing during um, the scene where they show all the the clan pictures along with them killing all the black people. Uh-huh. And uh, that's Spice One song. <laughs> It really, it really adds some uh, some energy, some emotional energy to it, and you know. I agree. Uh, a- anyways, so I'm, I, this is not a music podcast, but if you like, like, it could be. If <laughs> if you like the Wu Tang Clan, Scarface, uh, people like that, you definitely want to check out the soundtrack. I have actually been listening to it today, so um, thumbs up for me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, David, is there anything else you want to say? Well, I guess we have to give it a crystal, right? Yeah. We have to give it a oh. crystal. So, mm. well. For me, it would be 6 out of 10. I love what the try to portray the messages. I do find that uh, sometimes it was a bit too easy, the way they actually uh, went about with it. But it was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it wasn't it was enjoyable. And uh, let's say I'm so glad. I actually watched it in English. So I watched all my movie in English. And I'm so glad that for once I managed to understand the gang talk. <laughs> something I was not able to when I was playing GTA San Andreas. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. I know. I know. I didn't need subtitle this time. Um, but uh, and a dictionary. Um, but uh, it was actually pretty fun. Pretty fun to watch. I'm glad I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it an 8 because of nostalgia purposes. Because I love, I did love it growing up. And I still love it. Like, I watched it uh, not that long ago. Uh, well, I think it was around maybe Monday. or It was early this week I watched it. And... It still resonates with me. I still enjoy it. Uh, I do see more messages now than I did when I was, you know, 10. <laughs> of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> but <laughs> I it holds a place dear in my heart, so I can't give anything less than an eight. Sorry. <laughs> but, That's no problem. But I would say I wanna if s- there's one thing that I find it sad is actually it's been marketed from the Predominantly uh, to 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 black people. Yes, and I feel that actually maybe uh, more people should watch it to actually understand some of the problem that uh, that community has and actually understand it even better. 
Well, uh, to be quite frank with you, David, um, I just feel like nowadays when you tell some white Americans like, hey, you need to watch this about racism, they're just like, oh my God, not the Negroes again, you know? <laughs> so... I don't know, I just found it very, it was a very interesting uh, take on it because I think a lot of uh, race, a movie about racism actually made by white people. Mm-hmm. So actually having a vision of it basically towards, uh, it's a bit like the, the show Them, that you, you recommended to me and actually watched. It was the same kind of thing, like uh, it was, was really a, was a vision of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was interesting. Oh God, and I'm sorry guys, this is not a TV, uh, this is not a TV uh, podcast, but sheesh, them. Mm. <laughs> No. That's a parcel. That was that actually traumatized me. Ooh. So, David, any uh, hints to what we're going to be talking about? Okay. So, you'll be happy to know that uh, uh, my next choice of movie would have no sex orgies. Wow. That's growth for you. I know. Because you mentioned it that for some reason there was a lot of sexual things in the movies I was choosing. This one's not going to have any sexual orgies in it, unfortunately for you. You will not be able to actually like uh, shade me for it. Uh, And it's going to be a comedy. Something that I haven't done uh, at all. Uh, It's going to be a comedy. It's going to be a French comedy. Um... Document, of course, so I would just uh, let you find out soon. You know, and I said that I that this was going to be a comedy, but because I finally remember it being a little bit more lighthearted, but I'm guessing that's because the last time I saw it, it was very edited <laughs> for network television purposes. Because <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> when you say it was a comedy, I was trying to find what the comedy was. Yes. But, you know, uh, I, before, I guess before we end the podcast, I mean, like, let's talk about that, like, the comedy aspect, because it is titled a horror slash comedy. So, what, like, what comedy can could you find in it? Uh, the three characters at the beginning of the movie was, like, the three Stooges. Yeah. So, especially, actually, I found it was especially stereotypical. The, well, especially the... Man, who who refries beans? Why don't you just fry them right the first time? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and there was this. Uh, I think maybe the maybe the racist stuff that was said in some of the stuff was actually also comedy centric because mm-hmm. it was so outrageous. Yeah, that it could be actually seen as a dark comedy value of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. that's pretty much it for me (laughs) (laughs) well watching it now I like I I didn't see too much humor in it I mean I saw like the horror aspect of it but it is like the genre that it that it is in specifically states it is a a comedy horror so well he grabbed his penis at one point yeah that's true so I, I at 10 know. years old that could be funny true i mean i guess the, the dolls could have been funny if you're a disturbed child <laughs> but no <laughs> no so no if it was funny as a as a as a kid basically you got something wrong with you that was terrifying <laughs> okay well 
I, I guess that means I'll have to actually pick a legit comedy eventually. And you know what? I think it might be the one where the drag queen places a curse and makes the boy gay. Yeah. That'd be something to look at. Oh, into. that's one. The one you, you mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to watch it together and we're going to talk about it. Okay. Well, I guess I'll so. See. Two comedies, two comedies coming back to back. Oh, we're going to be a, a comedy podcast soon. Keep it more lighthearted, you know? We're- yes, I know. <laughs> I know. We may be a bit too serious nowadays, so let's go comedic a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, well. So, see you guys. Thank you for that time, Anthony. Oh, okay, David, you just interrupted my outro, but. <laughs> Oops, go ahead. <laughs> yes, see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>